You're listening to Now I've Heard Everything, interviews from the 80s, 90s, and 2000s with voices from the past. Anyone out there listening who has children knows that when a child loves a book, you're in for a reading at least 40 or 50 times of that book to that child. And don't try to skip a page because they won't let you. Children's book author Tommy DePaola today on Now I've Heard Everything. I'm Bill Thompson. Well, if you've had young children in your house any time in the last 50 years, or perhaps you were the young child, then you know the name Tommy DePaola. He turned a childhood fascination with drawing into a lucrative career that spanned decades and turned out over 260 children's books. One of my interviews with Tommy came a few years ago, right around this time of year, as we talked about his book, Jingle the Christmas Clown. And he had some fascinating insights on what it takes to create an engaging children's book. So here now, from 1992, Tommy DePaula. I had, my boss looked at my schedule to see who I had coming in this week, and I just he didn't realize it was a children's book. He said, "Jingle, the Christmas Clown." <laughs> you know, is, uh, your name is right there next to all the political books right. that I've got, and he said, "Jingle, the Christmas Clown." And I said, "Frank, you obviously don't have kids, because anybody who has kids and they recognize your name, they're going to say yes, another new one. All right, right, right. it's the new we, one. Right. We look, we look." so forward to each each of your new books. Oh, thank talking. you. Thank you. Yeah. Every fall, there's at least one new one, and I get sent out across the country, just like I'm doing now, <laughs> uh, peddling it around. And Jingle, um, Jingle actually has been sort of on the drawing board, was on the drawing board for about a year and a half. Uh, it, it was a long project because I did a little bit different technique with the art. I did sort of layered paintings, and so it took a little longer. And uh, I also spent a lot longer on the manuscript because it kept on sort of growing by itself and changing and, and moving around and things got taken out. And um, It started out as a kind of a project with um, uh, maybe a little bit more commercial than, you know, than a good Christmas uh, picture book. And um, I realized once, once we got going on it that it had, um, had much more depth than I was giving Jingle when he first appeared in my mind. So there it is, right out there now. To the totally uninitiated, a children's book on its face seems to be one of the, should be one of the simplest things to do. Right. You draw yeah. a few pictures, yeah. you put a few little simple, one simple little words. Little simple in, words, right. And yeah. uh, you, know, you throw a cover uh -huh. on it and you put it in the bookstore and you make a right. million dollars, right? Right, right. Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> wrong, wrong. The million dollars part is especially <laughs> wrong. <laughs> No, it's it's interesting, isn't it? That you know, um, I get it all the time. You know, oh, uh, uh, my wife has a friend who is interested in doing nice little books. Um, but um, uh, I had a young friend who was um, doing a book for me. I have my own imprint as well at Putnam. It's called Wiper Books, which is a um, an imprint on ethnic folktale. And one of the artists and authors that was working with me, she was having a hard time with her text, and. Um, I, I was talking to her on the phone, and I suddenly had this amazing, you know, I was sort of went into another dimension. And I explained to her what a good children's text, what it really is. You start off like a stew, or a, um, it's like making stock. You know, you put everything in the pot, you know, all the peelings, all the bones, all the stuff. And you bring it to a boil, and then all this scum comes up to the surface, and you have to very carefully take all that scum and discard it. And then, then you turn the heat down and you let it simmer and simmer and simmer. And the longer you simmer it, the stronger the flavor. Then you strain it. 
And then if you want it to be crystal clear stock, you then have to add, you know, egg whites and bring it up again and then re, you know, just take the essence off. And that's what a really good story for young people really is. It takes all that energy to reduce um, your, your ideas so that you get down to the very strong basic idea. And the same thing for me with the art. Uh, I've spent my life, you know, more or less, I mean, I don't like to compare myself with Matisse, but I do the same thing that Matisse did. Um, I'm constantly reducing and trying to find the simple, common um, line and form. And I guess I do that on purpose and uh, because I think that children, at least the children I know, recognize that what I'm doing right away. The pictures are easy to read. And hopefully the stories are too. What is the difference, though, between distilling a story down to its its basic elements and making it mm-hmm. make, uh, making it the best you can? What's the difference between that, though, and what happens to so many children's books that get dumbed down to the lowest common denominator? Oh yeah, well, I think that's that's uh, the difference in the publisher that you deal with. <laughs> <laughs> to be perfectly honest, I mean, I've um, you know Putnam's who's my been my publisher um, exclusively been my publisher for the last uh, seven years eight years um, my editor and I have worked together for 30 years now almost 30 years it's 29 she keeps on reminding me she said she liked it better when it was only 25 years but uh, Margaret Frith is my editor and, and also the president of Putnam's Children's Books and Margaret is one of those wonderful editors that you know she really um, really edits and I let her edit and I work with her well, yeah we argue sometimes but uh, um you know, there are these there are these books that they have a word list. You know that, but that's like the old textbooks. That's like the old books I grew up learning how to read with in school, which I rebelled against the Dick and Jane books, which were you know stupid. In fact, I think that's why a lot of children had problems with reading, is that the textbooks in the classroom were the stories weren't interesting, and the people who are using trade books like a good children's book that you buy in a bookstore in their classrooms. Are sh- the children are learning how to read faster and they're learning how to read better because there's interest there. Uh, just because a book is simple doesn't mean it's um, it's thin. You know, it can have very very deep, you know, complicated stories and character. It's the same thing with a novel. Um, I loved it once when I met um, a, um, a, a young adult novelist and we were at a conference and she was saying to me, "I don't know how you people do children's books, uh, picture books." Because you know they're 32 pages, you know minimum words. I don't. Uh, in fact, um, you know one of my books, The Knight and the Dragon, only has about 30 words to it, and uh, um, and it is a case with a picture book that one picture could can be <laughs> worth a thousand words. Uh, <laughs> and um, sh- and she said because it's so difficult even to write a young adult novel, and to get that simplicity of language and. But yet the complicatedness of plot and character into a um, – it's, it's a real tough process, and it is not as easy as it looks at all. And, I, I, and people that start to do books find that out very, very quickly. I hope people aren't still asking you, when are you going to do a serious book? No, no one's ever asked me that because I deck them. <laughs> no. But, you know, that there is that famous story that Maurice Sendak has told in public that when he got the Caldecott, his father said, oh, maybe now they'll let you write real books, you know, which is pretty devastating. <laughs> After this short break, Tommy DePaula explains why kids are so much more sophisticated than we give them credit for. 
start your day with Now I've Heard Everything. We post new episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 5 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time. Subscribe now so you'll have something fresh to listen to and get your day going. Now back to my 1992 conversation with Tommy DePaolo. Children are very, very good and they're very discerning they can very read, discerning they can read between the lines yes, they, they can. know the story even though they may not know all the words mm -hmm. that you left mm -hmm. out and mm -hmm. all the stock that you scum right. and everything right. like that but all the flavors there the flavors because the the they flavors know that right. they, they're very good see bill i always say um um I tell my I tell myself constantly, and I also tell young people who are, you know, it, call me or write me or whatever, and ask me about you know how do I get started. Well, I say, well, okay, number one, read the Emperor's New Clothes, and if you if you get, I don't tell them why I want them to read it, but you know, then if they call me and we talk about it, why I want them to read it is because in that in that story by Hans Christian Andersen, it's the child that says, in the but Daddy, the Emperor is naked. You know, everyone else is saying, oh, doesn't he look wonderful? Look at, isn't that gold brocade, you know, train, gorgeous. And the little kid says, but he's naked. He's not wearing any clothes. And that's what children will do. You know, if the book isn't any good, they don't care how much hype it's given. Uh, it will not be one of their favorites. And I think anyone out there listening who has children knows that when a child loves a book, you're in for a reading at least 40 or 50 times of that book to that child. And don't try to skip a page because they won't let you. We Children are the most devoted fans there are in the world. At some level, then, must you make a, a children's book palatable to adults as well so that they don't get sick of it after the 40th reading? I, I don't know. I, um, I don't think too much about that. But I think that's maybe where maybe a little bit of the sophistication in the art um, – or a good story. Again, I think a good story. Adults are, are suckers for good stories, too. <laughs> True. <laughs> without giving away too much of the plot, yeah, and certainly yeah. without giving away the ending. What, yes, is, right. uh, where, what is the story of Jingle about? Well, Jingle is a young clown, and he's too young to perform. And he, he's a member of Il Circo Piccolo, the little circus, which is a little Italian circus that goes around and through the hill towns of Italy. And every... Um, Christmas, they play, the Christmas season, they play in the big city. Um, it's a big venue for them. But on Christmas Eve, they usually play at a little, a little village that they've stopped on uh, every Christmas. And Jingle's job is to take care of all the baby animals, little baby elephant, the monkeys, the dogs, and the lion and the tiger and the donkey and the pony. And um, when they get to the little village, it's desolate. All the young people, it's been a hard year. It's been a very hard year for the villagers. Uh, a summer too hot or spring too wet. Um, and all the young people and the families have left to go to the big city or someplace else for work. And only the only people left in the village are the vicchietti, the old people, the old timers. And they don't have enough money to have the cir circus. So... Uh, it's decided that the circus will move on and try to get to the big city to get an extra performance in for Christmas Eve. And, but the baby animals are too tired. So Jingle and the baby animals are left behind, and they'll come back and get them on Christmas Day. And Jingle, because he is a wonderful young man, little boy, and like most young children, he has a big heart, uh, he and the baby animals decide to put on a circus for all the old people. And a free circus at that, and 
that's the story. And there's some, and a wonderful thing happens. <laughs> I think a wonderful thing happens. Does a story like this come to you as, as first of all, a storyline, or first of all, as visual images? Um, first of all, a storyline. Um, when I got the idea for Jingle, I had to, it's interesting, Bill, because I did have to sort of get him down on paper. I had to see what he was going to look like. Uh, and uh, I, I was struggling with his face. And I remembered that when I was about seven years old, I had a clown marionette. And so I, I remembered what that clown marionette looked like. And I made Jingle's face look like that. But he's a sort of a traditional uh, 19th century uh in the traditional sort of uh, Italian clown um, costume, sort of like a little Pierrot. Uh, he doesn't have those flashing electronic blinking No, lights, he doesn't. So. No, he doesn't. <laughs> they didn't have electricity in those days. <laughs> it, it is, it's is, another time, too. It's an earlier time. But yeah. is, it, is it more difficult these days to capture a child's imagination when you are competing mm-hmm. with Nintendo mm-hmm. and uh, Sega, Genesis? No, no. no. I'm not. I'm not saying that those aren't uh, uh, big forces in the entertainment field for children, but I still think that young children, especially, especially the picture book age group, um, which is like from three to eight or three to nine now. I guess it keeps on expanding on both ends. <laughs> it used to be five to seven, then it went to four to seven. Five, five, you know. Anyway, now now maybe next year it'll be three to twenty-seven, twenty-eight. Hopefully. Well, given um, the sad state of our college graduates. Uh, yeah, they might uh, they might be able to f- manage the text in this in jingle if they're in college. <laughs> Yeah. But uh, but um, I think that I th- I think anyway, and especially if if um, if sales figures are any indication, and I guess they we do have to look at those. Um, the picture book is alive and well in the United States, and I give a lot of credit to teachers uh, who are using this no, new whole language approach to reading, and to young parents who are realizing that reading aloud is an important uh, activity. And that once children fall in love with books, they'll love them for the rest of their lives. And, uh, and I think that books always have a special place. Uh, a book is a, is a different thing than a video game. Thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. true. And there's though there was always something about you can granted you could take video games anywhere now, I suppose right. too, with the yep. Walkman yep. or yep. Th- yep. things like that. But there's something about being able to take a book under the covers yeah. with you at Isn't night with a great? flashlight. Right. Yeah. And and there's just something kinda Or sit in a corner on yeah. a rainy day and look and out just, the window and read. And it's yeah. just you you almost feel kind of sneaky at times because right. ooh, you're reading a book. <laughs> and while you're sitting there physically in one place, your, your imagination your going is, right. is a million right. miles away, right. and, and you're sitting there watching the circus. Yep. Hopefully. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yes. right. yeah. does that make you Does that make you draw the pictures differently than you would if it was just, oh, well, a contract says i got to crank out another book this fall, so... Uh, no, there are moments when I feel I'm doing that because it's like, <laughs> ah, deadline, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> why didn't I work yesterday? I have to be up all night. No, I think that what happens is that I've been doing books for almost 30 years now, and um, um, actually, it actually gets harder. <laughs> it's uh, harder now. I think, I, you know, you know more, you know what can happen. Um, but, uh, See, I guess I, without trying to sound too Pollyanna-ish, or, or, um, I really, when I start a project, I always sort of do a little thinking and saying, okay, this is for all those young, young people out there. And I really admire young people. I think they have a tough world ahead of them, you know. And I like to give them as much love and support and, uh, and joy in their lives as I can, especially when they're, you know, 
really young, four, five, six years old. So I'm always keeping those young people in my mind. Not not that I'm drawing down to them, because then then I you know I have my pride and my um, actually my duty as an artist, and especially my duty as a um, as a well-known person in the field, you know, to do good work for my audience. I mean, there is that, there is that um, responsibility, you know, that you must do your best, especially for young people. At least I feel that. Tommy DePaula died in 2020. He was 85. Now, you can get a copy of Jingle the Christmas Clown by Tommy DePaula by tapping on the link in our show notes or by going to our website, heardeverything.com. We may earn an Amazon commission if you make a purchase. While you're at heardeverything.com, don't miss my 2003 interview with Stan and Jan Berenstain. Yes, the Berenstain Bears creators. Kid once said, why did you do bears? And we said, well, they're sort of stand up and they dress them up in clothes and in, in circus. He said, well, why didn't you do monkeys? And I said, they're too much like people. It's fun to draw bears, too. They stand up and they, they can be very human looking, mm-hmm. at least when we draw them. And my 2007 interview with Burke Brethed. I couldn't quite leave all the controversy of my cartooning days behind. I thought if I went into children's books, I, I wouldn't be running on that ragged edge. And sure enough, I, it's like I can't avoid it. It's, I've always got to be pushing the envelope a bit. And of course, we post new episodes of Now I've Heard Everything every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And you can find us everywhere you listen to podcasts. And thank you so much for listening. Next time on Now I've Heard Everything, the history of rock and roll, as told by not only a guy who had a front row seat, but he helped shape many of those careers. My 2009 conversation with famed disc jockey Cousin Brucey. This is the Cousin Brucey rock and roll cycle. Life happens. The poets laud it. The journalists report it. The artists record it. Cousin Brucey exports it. That's next time on Now I've Heard Everything. I'm Bill Thompson. <laughs>